This podcast is brought to you by the African narrative on climate change. If you've been following climate conversations or the news, you've likely heard about COP28 happening in Dubai. Uh, this is coming on the heels of last year's events in Cairo, Egypt. But what exactly is COP and why is it drawing world leaders and climate experts from all corners of the globe? On this midweek episode of the African Narrative on Climate Change podcast, we look at the origin of COP, why they are important, attempt to play judge on their impact, and narrow down on what COP28 hopes to achieve. I'm your host Aaron John, and let's dive into it. So what is COP? COP stands for Conference of the Parties and it's a decision-making body responsible for monitoring and reviewing the implementation of the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change, the UNFCC, which I spoke about in our introductory episode, Setting the Stage. These conferences gather world leaders, climate experts, activists, and stakeholders to discuss and strategize on global climate change responses. The UNFCC is an international environmental treaty adopted in 1992 during the Earth Summit in Brazil and it came into force in 1994 and has since been ratified by nearly every country in the world, making it uh, an almost universal treaty. So COP is one of the six objectives of the UNFCC, which is uh, hosting annual meetings. There have been some noteworthy COP meetings in the past, right? The most notable being COP21, where the Paris Agreement was adopted in 2015. And if all goes according to plan in COP28, I think what happened in Egypt last year might have set the stage for the most impactful COP we would have had. So why are these conferences so significant? The COP meetings are significant for several reasons. Firstly, they are the primary global platform for negotiating and revising international responses to climate change. So this is where the rule book for global climate action gets written and revised. For example, the COP21 gave us the Paris Agreement, setting the ambitious goal for limiting global warming to well below 2 degrees Celsius. Uh, secondly, the, these conferences serve as a progress check. Nations come together to report on their strides and challenges in meeting their climate commitments, particularly their nationally determined contributions, which are you know the heart of the Paris Agreement. Moreover, right, COP gatherings you know, bring together NGOs, activists, scientists, and the private sector, each bringing unique perspective and solutions. So this inclusive approach fosters broader engagement and paves the way for innovative cross-sectoral climate solutions and discussions. So it begs the question, so why are we still talking about climate change if world leaders have been meeting non-stop on this? Like we know, when you gather a lot of world leaders, there's bound to be challenges. First, right, is the issue of getting a global consensus. With about 196 countries participating, each with its own agenda and priorities, reaching a unanimous agreement is often a monumental task. The varying level of economic development dependent on fossil fuel and exposure to climate impact also mean that nations often have divergent views on responsibility and action. And then there's the challenge of commitment versus action. While many countries pledge ambitious targets, the translation of this commitment into real measurable action is often lacking. You know, so this gap between promise and practice has led to a lot of skepticism about the effectiveness of this meeting, one which I share as well. 
Economic constraints play a significant role too because developing countries in particular which faces a, a dual challenge of addressing climate change while striving for economic growth and development will often require financial and technical support to implement green initiatives, a need that is frequently promised but underdelivered by wealthier nations. And the influence of powerful interest groups, especially from fossil fuel industries, cannot also be overlooked. Uh, these entities lobby extensively to protect their interests, which can lead to watered-down policies and reluctance to take bolder steps towards renewable energy and facing out fossil fuels. Another hurdle is the short-term nature of political cycles, right? So political leaders focused on immediate concerns and re-election may overlook long-term climate strategies. And I think this myopic view hinders the advancement of sustained and impactful climate policies. So lastly, the sheer scale of climate crisis is itself right it poses a challenge the solutions require transformative change at a massive scale and how societies function from energy to agriculture to transportation to urban planning so this level of change is unprecedented and requires not just political will but a shift in global mindset in consumerism in our economic system in our political system and i think you know the scale of this is one of the challenges that we are having Now, let's talk about the upcoming COP28 in Dubai under the leadership of Sultan Al-Jaber. As we turn our attention to COP28, set to convene in Dubai, it's important to contextualize the conference amid heightened expectations and notable controversies. This year's meeting is not just another routine meeting. It stands at a crucial junction for accessing global climate action and charting future paths. So at the forefront of this year's meeting is the much-anticipated global stocktake. This is a comprehensive assessment that evaluates the global progress towards achieving the goals set in the Paris Agreement. So this looks at... It's sort of a reality check that measures how far we've come and how far we still need to go in reducing emissions, enhancing resilience and mobilizing finance. One key area that is also garnering some attention is the transition away from, a lot of attention really, the transition away from fossil fuels. The urgency to shift to renewable energy sources has never been this pronounced and my hope is COP28 pushes for concrete action and commitment in accelerating this transition and balance the need for sustainable development with environmental conservation. Uh, the food and land use system are also under the spotlight. There's a growing recognition of how agricultural practices, land management and food systems contribute to and are affected by climate change. So we expect discussions on sustainable agriculture, land conservation and ways to reduce the carbon footprint of our food systems. Adaptation and addressing loss and damage will also be crucial, especially for vulnerable nations. So building on the progress from COP28, so from COP27, COP28 needs to operationalize the loss and damage fund and ramp up adaptation finance, ensuring that countries facing the brunt of climate its impact receive the support that they need. So a bit of good news. The major highlight from COP28 so far, you know, was the agreement to operationalize the loss and damage fund, with several countries already pledging a total of um, 
approximately $300 million. The fund was designed and is designed to compensate vulnerable countries coping with the impact of climate change. The UN Climate Change Executive Secretary Simon Steele emphasized the importance of this development in giving the conference a strong start and urged governments to leverage this momentum for ambitious outcome. Noted, this is still a pledge. They are not obligated to pay, but I think it's a step in the right direction. So what am I looking forward to the most from COP28? What I'm looking forward to the most really is delivering on finance because there's been an expectation that COP28 would address the issue of climate finance, particularly fulfilling the previous financial commitments and setting up a new framework for climate finance. It is crucial that climate finance is made affordable, available and accessible, especially for developing countries that are disproportionately affected by climate change. Um, So as we conclude on today's very, very short episode, I want us to take a moment to reflect on the urgency of our conversation about COP28 uh, because we are at a crucial juncture in our global response to climate change. Recent reports show record-breaking temperatures, unprecedented sea level rise and extreme weather events becoming the new normal. These are not distant warnings, they are becoming current realities and demand our immediate attention. The COP28 should not just be another conference. It's a call to action and it should be a demand for change. It's a time to have serious conversations about phasing out fossil fuels and we can no longer afford half-measured and half-assed delayed commitment. The transition to renewable energy sources must also be accelerated. The pledges made must move from promise on paper to tangible action on the ground. For Africa, COP28 holds particular significance and African leaders must take on the reins of the climate conversations and it's time for a bolder stance to demand reparations the fulfillment of pledges that have been long overdue because africa though least responsible for climate change bears some of its most severe consequences equity justice and fairness should be the forefront of the discussions from african leaders this year and i think together we can amplify our voices whether we are at cop or not through our social media platforms through our conversations with our friends and family and push for the commitments just for the awareness of what's going on, the awareness of climate change, of COP, of these meetings, and what it is all about. No, so refer the African Narrative on Climate Change podcast to someone and let them learn something new. So on that note, I will provide you with as much information and insight from the COP28 meetings as they proceed and how it concerns us in Africa. And see you soon.